0: Hello, and welcome to episode number 103 of The Lines Podcast. My name is Matt Brown, joined each and every week by Brett Colson, where we go over all the big bets, all the big news, all the big happenings in this crazy gambling industry of ours at The Lines US, at Playpix US, on the Twitter machine. And if you want to subscribe, rate, and review to this podcast, we do appreciate that. Helps us climb the charts over there at Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Podcasts. We will talk about... What is happening this weekend, what we can see happening a little bit further down the road? We'll run over the rules of this tailor-made driving relief stuff. We have a great interview with Pat Mayo. I'm sure you are probably aware of him on the uh, Twitter machine and all the content that he produces, but a real good interview with him about everything going on with golf. We'll talk a couple of NFL futures as well, and today actually marks the two-year anniversary of the Paspo repeal, and Brett and I'll give our thoughts. On that as well. But let's kick things off here, Brett. We talked about it that this was the, uh, well, this past weekend, this week, including Wednesday, and then again this coming Saturday, the UFC got back in action and they got us back to live sporting events. And UFC 249 was not without its hiccups. There was a guy that tested positive for COVID and uh, he was removed from the card. That fight was canceled, of course. But the card did go on, and they had a fight night on Thursday night. They're having another fight night on Saturday night as well. Um, all of this happening out of the same arena over in Jacksonville, so they can try and keep everything as contained as humanly possible. And you know, no crowds. Obviously, quarter uh, people are wearing masks. The they even have the announcers sitting uh, apart from each other and stuff like that. Um, you know, look into the day. I I think everything I think everything actually went maybe as well as could be as well as could be expected. And trust me, I was a I was a skeptic heading into this.
1: Yeah, that's great. Look, I I did watch Saturday, and I and like I told you, I was entertained the whole way. And part of that is because there is nothing else going on. But I also thought the event was was well run. Uh, outside of obviously the you know the COVID positive test, but even still, like they they kept the event running. Uh, the fights were enjoyable. Uh, Gaith G and Ferguson, especially. So, I yeah, I, I thought it was really well done. Does this make me an MMA fan now? No, not really. But I, I can say that if there is a big title fight coming up with top fighters on the card, the UFC will have my attention. That is something I never would have said before this all started. So, there it is. I, I did enjoy it on Saturday. Didn't watch on Wednesday, but I enjoyed it on Saturday.
0: No, absolutely. I mean, I mean, I think this is one of those deals where they are they are getting... A a ton, I would imagine, of people who either had lost touch with MMA that maybe were fans back in the day and kind of weren't watching anymore and now with it being the only game in town might have come back or like you said, just people who are looking for some live sporting events. If you did bet on UFC 249, only two of the underdogs got home for you out of the 11 fights. So only two dogs hit, of course, the big one being Gaethje there in the main event. By the time that fight went off, Brett, and I know because I was able to get it on several occasions, I got Gaethje at 180. I got Gaethje at 185. And then about five minutes before uh, the, guys were, the guys were sitting there walking out, you could get Gaethje for two to one, plus 200 on Gaethje for that masterful performance that he put on over Tony Ferguson.
1: That was a big fight for the books. Great result for the books, obviously, with, with Gaethje. Gaethje come through there.
0: Yeah, it was. And uh, in, in look, it was um, it, there were a lot of people who I think were were maybe had thrown him in some parlays or something somewhere along the way. But those parlays didn't get home. Like I said, only two underdogs. You'll see a lot of times guys will throw these kind of wacky four and five fight parlays together that have a few underdogs involved. And if they hit, you'll see, you know, the tweets come from the sports books the next day about how, you know, how much they won or whatever. But that just wasn't the case. It was a pretty chalky night when it came to UFC 249. Dogs did fare a little bit better on Wednesday night. They won four of the nine uh, fights where there was an actual underdog. One of the fights went off as a pickem. What if you're trying to wonder, like, Matt? There was ten fights. Yes, I understand that, but one was a pickem. So four of the nine fights where there were were an actual underdog, uh, four of the dogs did get home. So a little bit better for people who are dog betters on Wednesday night. There, Brett.
1: Yeah, that's. Uh- that's how it went. I have, I have nothing to say about once night. I did not, I did not follow it, unfortunately, but um, it's, it's look it's, it's good to have, it's good to have these American, I, I call UFC an American sport because it's so big, here, sure. but like, it finally feels to me like sports are creeping back in. Like I haven't been paying attention to the darts and the table tennis and the Korean baseball. I have no interest in the outlaw tour, but UFC and NASCAR, are major sports in the US. And even though I don't typically follow those two sports, like you can feel the excitement of some some normalcy coming back into our lives. And all you have to do all you have to do is look at the the interest in the UFC fights over the past week to see that Americans are excited to have something competitive to watch in real time and the betting uh the, you know, the wagers were there clearly.
0: Yeah, and and we've got another another fight card on Saturday. Alistair Overeem, Walt Harris is going to headline that event. Um, You might have heard about the really terrible story about Walt Harris. This was in the fall of 2019. His stepdaughter went missing. uh, Actually, the date, exactly October the 24th. Body was found about a month later. She had been shot and murdered. Harris has not fought since then. Last fight for Harris, actually, back in July of 2019, Okay, Brett, if you're looking at this fight, and we should just mention, you know, Harris is a favorite in this fight. He is minus 159 as we sit right now over at DraftKings, Alistair Overeem, you're getting plus 135 on him. Brett, just as a guy who doesn't, you know, follow the sport incredibly heavily, you might look and see, okay, Harris is a pretty big favorite in this fight, and then you hear the story that I just mentioned right there. How does that make you look at this fight as someone kind of from the outside? Because I'm actually wondering where this line is going to end up by the time this fight actually happens on Saturday. I'm wondering whenever they tell the story, and do you think that the sentimental bets are going to come in on Walt Harris? Or do you think there's going to be people who say, how in the hell can this guy be fighting right now?
1: How is his mind right? There's no way he's going to win this fight. Well, it happened seven, eight months ago. I, I I don't, it's, it's hard for me to say, cause I don't know how people, I mean, everybody reacts differently to these types of types of things, but I mean, is this a story that is being talked about a lot when it comes to this fight? I mean, if you, like, if I look up a, a story about Walt Harris right now and the fight this weekend, is that going to be something that I, it's going to be mentioned right away? Absolutely. F- okay. So yeah. Pretty much
0: every headline is Walt Harris. Uh, back in the cage after tragedy, essentially. Like pretty much okay. that's a headline for every single article that's written.
1: Then yeah, that, that's obviously going to have an impact. But is that already baked into this line? I don't know where this opened at and how, how much it has moved and how much money's coming in on each side. But yeah, that's obviously going to have a factor on just the yeah, casual bettor who reads that.
0: Same. I don't want to, uh, you know, I, I'm not sitting here trying to tell people to capitalize off of another person's tragedy or kind of anything like that. What I am saying is that if you're betting this and you want to bet Alistair Overeem, My gut feeling is you should hold out and wait because I feel like people are going to hear the Walt Harris story and they're going to want to bet on Walt Harris. You know what I'm saying, Brett? Like they like he's the guy that you want to root for. You don't want to root against a guy who just had one of his kids. You know, like you mentioned, murdered seven months ago or something like that. So strictly from a betting perspective, if you were feeling like you wanted to bet on Overeem anyway, I would hold out.
1: You can look at it two ways i mean you can look at it from the side that harris is his you know what's his focus going to be still coming off this horrible tragedy or is he more motivated does he want this more so i i honestly have no idea how to read into it that way but um just looking at how people are reacting to it it should shape how you want action on this match
0: If you are looking up and down the card, there is a Matt Brown on this card. He is a longtime MMA fighter. I've been dealing with that. I used to work (laughs) exclusively in the MMA industry, and I've been dealing with that uh, for a very, very long time. Actually, one of my buddies used to manage uh, the fighter, Matt Brown, and I would get random texts here and there, Brett from the manager who apparently did not put a good enough distinction in his phone between me and the fighter that he was managing. And I would get texts all the time about, Hey, uh, blah, blah, blah. They just offered you blah, blah, blah. I would be getting like the heads up on, on Matt Brown's fights all the time. Cause it'd be like, Hey, they just offered you blah, blah, blah fight. Or what do you think about this, that, and the other and, and all that. And so after this had gone on for about, I don't know, six years of him not, you know, fixing this in his phone. I decided, you know what, I'm going to go ahead and mess with him. So one time he sends a thing through and I just responded with, uh, hey man, I think I'm going to be looking for a new manager. (laughs) And then we go back and forth for a few different texts of me, like putting him through the ringer of like how he had not been doing his job for me and how he needed to, whatever, before he finally realized that it was me and not the fighter. But uh, you know what, after six years, if he didn't figure out how to uh, you know decipher that it was me or the fighter, I, I put that on him.
1: He was asking for it. So good that's job. That's what I say. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I
0: say. That, that's like what this, I say. Looks so, like this
1: Matt Brown's been around for a little while. It's 40, 40 uh, decisions here. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. He is, he is a, a long, long time guy as well. Uh, also on this card, uh, Song Yudong is on this card. Uh, maybe one of the better names in all of MMA right now. S-O-N-G-Y-A-D-O-N-G, Song Yudong. He's making your DraftKings on us,
1: right? I am right now. I have Matt Brown and Song Yedong (laughs) on my team and maybe I'll probably put Walt Harris on there too. There you go.
0: There you go. Uh, There will be some more sports. Bundesliga is going to be returning. If you are into foreign soccer, I am not. So I can't tell you anything about it at all. NASCAR is coming back as well. Of course, we've had horse racing going on this whole time. Uh, Brett, what about NASCAR here? So, you checked out MMA because it was the only thing available. Neither one of us are NASCAR guys. are Are we going to tune into NASCAR? Is my question.
1: No, I'm going to follow <laughs> it just because this is what we do, and I should be paying attention because there's, there's nothing else going on right now. But I'm not going to I'm not going to watch NASCAR. I can't watch NASCAR, man. I can't do it. I can watch UFC. UFC is entertaining. It's something new. Every fight's different. And it's a
0: different fight. Right. And it's a different fight and different fighters and whatever. And yeah, there's, there is a lot of repetition and everything going
1: on in NASCAR. The the lead up to this is interesting though. Like this is, these are unprecedented times for athletes of all kinds, even race car drivers. There is no qualifying for this race at Darlington on Sunday. There are no practice laps. The crew members are going to be smaller. The starting order will be determined by random draw. I also read this morning that drivers are worried about the conditions inside the car because it's going to be 90 degrees in South Carolina. And these guys haven't been in a hot car yet this season. So, I mean, there are all these factors that are kind of like <sighs> messing. Like, how do, you, how do you cap this for if you're right. uh, an, an odds maker or you're just a better? So, I, I might bet it just to like throw some random like long shots in because you just there's got to be unpredictable or unpredictability built in to this race that is literally
0: where I was going with this. I was like, the only way you're going to get my betting dollars on this one is someone's got to be 20 to one or longer for me. Like I'm going to bet like a 20 to one or longer. I think that's the only way you're going to get me to get down on this thing.
1: Yeah. I, I think it's wise to bet on randomness if you can get, a, if you can find a good price on a long shot here, I'm with Give you. Give me
0: a Kurt Busch at 22 to one or a Ryan Blaney at 22 to one. Let's call it a day. There it is, Brett. There, uh, there we have it, buddy. I've got Kurt, it. I thought Bam. Kurt
1: Busch was always one of the, the top. Oh, maybe, maybe that's his brother. That's Kyle Busch is the guy who's near the top, but yeah, Hey, I'm in. I'm, I'm looking even, actually, I'm looking longer. Who's, who's longer.
0: there's there's let's let's see there's a there who have we heard of before we've 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 talked about some of these guys before (laughs) i mean come on i don't know no i don't know (laughs) probably not i don't yeah i i mean i don't know i I, it would be wrong of me to say that i you know have done any of any NASCAR research why
1: are some of these guys 250 to 1
0: I don't know. Maybe there's something we need to look into here. Is there, is there something that happened in NASCAR that we don't, that we don't know about?
1: This guy's, these guys are 2000 to one. What, what is going on here? I I (laughs) see this. This shows how little I know about NASCAR. I I can't figure out why there's 40 drivers. And some of these guys are 2000 to one to win. (sighs) They're going to get $5 of our bets, though. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to bet on all these guys.
0: Oh, man. Uh, golf returns this weekend as well. The TaylorMade Driving Relief event is going to be going down. Now, if you are unaware with all of this, this is um, Dustin Johnson and Roy McElroy versus Ricky Fowler and Matthew Wolf. It is going down at the Seminole Golf Club. And, Brad, as I was doing research on this a little bit, There's actually not a lot of stuff to figure out about this Seminole Golf Club. Apparently super exclusive. Not a ton of pictures even exist out there. All I know, it is number 12 on Golf Digest list of America's greatest golf courses, and it has been in the top 20 of that list every single year since 1966, which leads me to believe that it's a, probably a pretty nice golf course.
1: Yeah, and I, I was surprised to see, I don't think there's ever been a PGA Tour event here either, right?
0: No, there's like nothing here. There was like, I was trying to get research. I was trying to do whatever. You go to some of these places, there's really like only like a a dozen pictures really even swirling out there. They have tried to keep this thing like super, super wow. exclusive. And so, um and it's worked because <laughs> it, it's it's pretty tough to get some research on this deal, but the, the way this is all going down guys, it's a skins match. Um, and if you don't know what that means, if you're not familiar with kind of how that goes down, all four guys play the hole with their own ball. So they are playing with their, their own ball and the lowest score amongst the individual players wins the hole. So for example, if uh, you know, if, if DJ Rory and Ricky Fowler all par a hole, but then Wolf birdies the hole, that hole in the skin go to Wolf and Fowler and it wouldn't matter. It's not a collective score or anything like that. So even if Ricky Fowler had shot a, a seven on that hole, Brett, it wouldn't matter because his teammate won the hole and that's all that matters. It's it's not a collective score amongst the, uh, amongst the team.
1: Yeah. Just a better ball format, which is, which is cool. I think it's going to be fun to
0: Yeah. I mean, it'll, it'll be, uh, it'll be pretty good though. You're going to have to pay attention pretty good. However, because each hole is not worth the same amount of money. So if there's any bets out there that you're looking to make that have anything to do with money, just remember that holes one to six are worth 50 grand, seven to 16 are worth a hundred. Then 17 and 18, 17 is worth 200 and 18 is worth 500. So you could, in fact, uh, Brett, win more skins, but lose in the money department in that. So just, you know, depending on where you're betting and what's going on and how the bet is worded, just, just know that, that, you know, know what you're getting into whenever you go to bet this thing.
1: Yeah, definitely read what you're betting on. Cause there are different ways to, to, these will be graded in different ways. There will be money. There will be, you know, finishing like the actual, like result of who wins more holes and that type of stuff will be, uh, will be graded as well. So uh, yeah, it's uh, it's definitely something I think people are going to bet on it, but definitely be careful about what you're betting on.
0: Yeah, no no doubt about it. There's bonus money for, for birdies and eagles as well, but that actually doesn't count towards the overall winner of the event. Those are just going to be bonus money that ends up going to uh, charity as well. But, I mean, there's all kinds of ways to bet this thing. Of course, you can just bet straight up. Right now, Rory and DJ are minus 186 over on DraftKings, where Ricky and Wolf are coming in at plus 150. But you can bet leader after, you know, X amount of holes, one hole, three holes, five holes, whatever it might be. There are water and bunker bets as well, <laughs> Brett, which I thought was pretty interesting. Yeah. Uh, will they hit in a bunker? Will they hit in a hole? I mean, or, or hit into a water on hole X, Y, or Z or something like that? And, you know, again, you and I, it's hard to kind of break this down a ton. We don't, there's no course history with this. There's no whatever. But what I guess my only question to you is, this is going to be the first competitive golf in a while for these guys. And so do you think at all, do you think there might be nerves at all in play here? A little bit of the yips to where maybe kind of taking the yes on these, you know, bunker
1: and water bets might be something you'd look at? I don't know about nerves. I think uh, Rust might be part of it too. Mm. I don't know what these guys have been doing for the past two months. They haven't done anything competitively uh, that we know of over the past two months, and that's kind of why I'm inclined to lean with the the underdogs here, based on just the randomness of this event. Yeah, like yeah, it's the number one and number five versus the number twenty-seven and the number one hundred and ten. Uh, and look, rookie Ricky has not played well this year, and Matthew Wolf, a talented kid, but he's not on the same level as these other guys. But This is a one round event featuring four guys who, like I said, we don't know what they've been doing the past two months. So uh, I think that's, it's just, you know, similar with the NASCAR. I think just betting on the uncertainty of this. And I would imagine that most of the money is going to be coming in on the two favorites.
0: There's uh if you're wondering how else you can get down I mean there are all kinds of hole specials out there greens in regulation fairways in regulation longest tee shot as well on various holes that are out there uh the first one you can do that on is hole 3 that is a 504 yard par 5 if you wanted to do that they also have closest to the hole bets and those are going to be on the par 3s so uh you know tons of different ways that you can bet this thing and you know good to have golf back in our life here from golf digest, the layout moves in all directions. So the wind from the ocean will impact you in multiple ways. While the yardage is short on several holes, there is elevation change, sea level and wind to contend with, which makes the course play longer. So Brett, we always tend to kind of lean towards the, the longer hitters in golf in general these days. But uh, you know, just from that little blurb from golf digest digest, Says that there might be, you know, a little bit more in play than just being able to bomb it.
1: Yeah, and I think that's. Uh, I mean, look, you got two bombers in, in in Rory and Dustin, but on the other side, Ricky, one of the uh, the better win. I don't know if he's one of the better win players. He's he's definitely one of the more consistent with his irons. So that's something to consider for sure. But yeah, if, if this, this if this comes down to distance, uh, Rory and Dustin are going to be in good shape.
0: Uh, We mentioned that we had a very special interview with Pat Mayo. This guy has been all over golf, uh, not only golf DFS, but golf betting for an incredibly long time. Tons of content on his various outlets that he writes and does video content for. So we were able to sit down, chat with Pat Mayo for a little bit. Now joining me here is Pat Mayo. You can find him on Twitter at the PME. Pat, I would sit here and try to give all of the places people can find you, but there are so many different places, so many places that you're making content these days. I know the Pat Mayo experience is is certainly your, your bread and butter here, but man, you've got Fantasy National, you've got DraftKings. I mean, where where else are you producing content these days?
2: Hi, you you can find me in Golf Digest these days as well, but that's two primary primarily the same places we got DraftKings. That's definitely where you can find me. The Pat Mayo experience podcast and video. And right now, if people are interested in golf, fantasy national is free. Oh, you don't need a credit card. You don't need anything like that. You, see, you need an email address. So get in there now, go figure out the site. If you like it, you might want to stick around when golf
0: comes back. So we have, real live golf that is going to be coming on our television sets this weekend in the TaylorMade Driving Relief event that's going down at Seminole Golf Club. We got DJ and Rory versus Ricky and Matthew Wolf. A very interesting format here with the way that this is going. I mean, the, the holes aren't worth the same amount of money when it comes to the skins here, so don't necessarily have to win the the majority amount of skins to actually win the match here. So when you saw the format come out first and foremost did that Change how you even uh, went About kind of handicapping this event Like uh, looking at this event and previewing This event
2: a little A little bit uh, mainly when you get to These exhibition events a lot like the Tiger Versus Phil from a year ago The match that. Just take the dog. Like I, I don't there's such a high degree of variance in golf as it is anyway. And yeah, on paper you look at it, you have Dustin, you have Rory, both are inside the top five in the world ranking. Some people don't even know who Matthew Wolf is, and everyone knows that Ricky is struggling so far this season. But when you're gonna get something like at minimum, like plus one seventy-five, two to one in some spots for an exhibition match where if you win the seventeenth hole and three skins are carried over, that's it. You win that one hole. Like the talent discrepancy doesn't really play that big of a factor. It's golf. All the whole stuff changes. And when I think about it that way, you just embrace the variance of it. And it's only given you almost two to one to bet on one side, bet on that side.
0: Now, people are going to look at this and they're going to say, but, but Pat, you're talking about DJ and Rory here, but you know the format of this is these are still two; uh, these are still four of the very best golfers in all of the world. And you know the way that a, a skins match works is if they have a hole and half a hole and half a hole, and then finally, you know, Wolf or Ricky happens to have a, a a birdie on a hole where the other two guys par. You're looking at them gaining several, uh you know, several skins on one hole here. So when you talk about embracing kind of the variance here, I think think people need to understand the format completely here as well to where you know uh, yeah you look at dj and you look at rory and certainly they're the better two golfers uh, of the bunch here but you know listen it, it doesn't take much for a, a ricky or a ricky or a wolf to have a a good hole here and and jump out to a pretty big lead
2: and if you look at the actual skill sets of the golfers no one's going to dispute that dustin and Rory are by far better than Ricky and Matthew Wolf. But (laughs) the actual skill sets of the two, I actually think that Wolf and Ricky complement each other really well. Because where you have Rory, you have Dustin, you have Bombers. Their Mm. primary skill is just crushing it off the tee. It's the reason that they're so good in the world. Now, in terms of actual driving distance, Matthew Wolf competes with these guys. If you just go look at the past 50 rounds per Fantasy National and see who's gained the most driving distance-wise, on the field dustin is number two cameron champs actually number one that should be no surprise dustin's number two rory's number four wolf is number six like he mashes it there's actually a really good prop for the driving distance hole where it's you know who will end up with the farthest driving matthew wolf like plus 350 to win that like you know he's not going to win it every time but he probably wins it one and three times so you are getting value on that but he can make up for a lack of distance off the tee that Ricky just doesn't have. But Ricky is the best iron player of the four, and Ricky is by far the superior putter, especially on Bermuda grass, which Seminole is. That it's not to say that in any given round or any given putt that Rory. Won't make it, and Ricky will. That's not how you really have to judge this. Just on a baseline basis, Ricky is the far superior putter. One hot round with the putter for Ricky, and they absolutely vary these guys.
0: So you take a look at some of these other bets that are available over on DraftKings. You mentioned the longest tee shot, where they allow you to take that on hole three, four, seven, and nine. Um, you know, you mentioned Wolf, and yeah, he's a you know plus th- over plus three hundred on each of those holes that are that are listed there. And then you also look at nearest a hole, and you. Talk Talk about how well that Ricky plays his irons. You look at the par threes that they have listed here, and Ricky comes in, you know, behind Rory and uh, DJ on every single one of those bets as well. So maybe some value from the uh, longest tee shot on Wolf, and maybe the nearest to the hole, uh, Ricky Fowler.
2: Yeah, and like, if you're just going to play the straight up odds on this, which you should do, you should play it in bulk. Like instead of thinking, well, I think it's the fifth hole where Matthew Wolf is going to mm. outdrive them down. You can't really think of it that way. It's for all the driving distance holes. You bet Matthew Wolf. You win one of those. What was there, are there four of them or five of them? For the longest they,
0: they've draft? listed four over on DraftKings, yeah.
2: All right, all right. So you win one of those, you lose just a little bit. You win two, you win double your money. Yep. You win three, you win like eight times your money. So you play all of them. And it's the same with the Ricky prop for the closest to the pin. Like if you're going to play these, play them all. Because if we're going to talk about variance, a single tee shot or a single stroke is just insane. You try to think like, well, if he hits it 60 percent of the time, da da da, da, da. but in an action, it's like a spin on a roulette wheel or flipping a coin like what happens once doesn't necessarily affect next one. Maybe guys can build momentum on the course, but when it comes to things like driving and you know, when it comes to things like iron shots, just take the guy who is substantially better or at least close like Wolf isn't far behind, if at all, to Rory or Dustin. So he could sweep all of these. He could lose all four. But even Mm -hmm. if you just middle it, you end up being a winner based on those odds. But you have to play them all.
0: Okay, so let's move into the let's move into the match, the match version two here. (laughs) Tiger versus Phil, along with a couple of quarterbacks. I mean, first and foremost, what do we know about Peyton Manning and Tom Brady's golf game to begin with? What what do we know about these guys at all so that we can someone who's going to say, all right, I'm going to throw some money at this. I think it's worth me maybe throwing a few dollars down. Are they So they don't walk into this blind. Do we know who's the better golfer of Peyton and Tom? Do we know how often they play, you know, uh, these days and things like that? We don't know these
2: days how much they're playing, but we do have a handicap for both of Peyton's about a shot, a stroke and a half better than Brady is. But in any given round, like he, these aren't right. scratch handicaps. These are like, you know, five, six, seven, eight handicaps, which means that like Peyton Manning could, theoretically go out and shoot 100 despite the fact that he's the better golfer than tom brady and if brady has a good round he can shoot like 79 so again i think this falls into the situation where you're just dealing with such complete unknowns and this is can be like alternate shot which is just crazy so the phil team with brady although Brady's the worst golfer and tiger is better than phil at this point in time if there's one thing that phil can still do better than tiger it's get his ass out of a jam like mm-hmm. he can recover pretty easily and if you're going to deal with what is essentially amateurs in like if this was Romo, that would be one thing. Like, it's funny, we all laugh at Romo, but he's actually playing on tour and he's bad. Uh, these guys are nowhere near right. as good as Tony Romo is. So, balls are going to be in the woods. There's going to just be horrible iron shots, <laughs> terrible miss And Phil, almost because he's the worst player at this point of his career, can get out of those situations easier. They're giving you some pretty nice juice to bet on Phil. Like, like I said, in these exhibition matches, you don't know what the level of interest is. And even go back to the Rory and Dustin one, like if you look at those four players, who do you think this means the most for? Between Rory, Dustin, Ricky, and Matthew Wolf, The answer is Matthew Wolf. Right. And in this situation, uh, between Brady and Peyton Manning, and you hate to go back to that winner's mentality type thing, but I bet you Tom Brady's taking it more seriously than Peyton Manning.
0: You take a look at this and you like you said, I mean, Woods and Manning minus 225 to where Mickelson and Brady are coming in at plus 180. And, you know, we saw in the match the first time Phil Mickelson was able to prevail. And, uh, you know, a lot of people were looking at this and his form wasn't all that great at the time going into all that. But you I think the one thing that you've driven home here is this is one round of golf. And yeah, it is still guys that are you know some of the very best in the world and so when you take a look at this anything can happen in a single round that's why there's four rounds played in a golf tournament you guys how many times does the leader after round one is he still there at the end at, the, at round four not very often because it's just a, a a fluky game it's hard it's hard to put things together and any time you can miraculously walk out there there's all there's a guy at your club right now that still tells the story about the time that he shot 71 you know like it, anybody can do it on any given day. And so I'm kind of with you. I think embracing the variance here on this and, and looking at these dogs in these certain bets is probably the way to go.
2: Yeah, like well, you just bet both the dogs, one of them wins, you still kind of way ahead.
0: Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, it is uh it's pretty interesting to me to to have uh these numbers sitting where they're at, and I certainly would be looking in that direction for sure. And before I let you go, I just want to talk about the, the PGA tour season In general, coming back, I mean, now that we look like it's going to happen there, that kind of second week of June, how have you started to prepare for the PGA season coming up as we, you know, again, anything can happen over the next few weeks and things could get derailed. But as we sit here on Wednesday, May the 13th, how are you starting to prepare for the PGA season?
2: Basically nothing changes. Like it's hard to, what you, we know that there's going to be more elements of play here. So are people more cautious is the lack of a caddy or a lack of a coach being on the course with you going to affect certain players. The answer is yes. The problem is we don't know which players that's going to affect (laughs) the people are going to do all these deep dives into everything where, oh, well, you know Bryson and his spin coach can't be out there, so Bryson's not going to be any good. Oh, you know that for sure, do you? Oh, I'm glad that you have the confidence <laughs> to say that. I don't. Right. Uh, so I, I think you just can only hammer down on what you know. You have a baseline skill of these players. You know who's good. You know who's bad. And we talked about a course like Colonial, the first one back, the historic course. It's on bent grass. It's a shorter course. Like Kevin Nah won last year. How did Kevin Na win last year? Well, He wasn't a disaster off the tee like he normally is, and he made all of the putts in the world. Tony Finau came second. Tony Finau is the exact opposite player of Kevin Na. So skill, baseline skills will prevail at this course. And it's funny because it's this course in particular, like if it was a really long course, you'd be like, oh, let's go with the Bombers. We know that driving distance is a skill that cannot be replicated by everyone in the field. That's why we always lean with the Bombers over everyone else because you say to yourself, you know – Kevin Knock is the best putter in this field, let's say, or Steve Stricker plays, he's the best putter in this field. And if you look over the past three years, that's going to be the case. But like we've talked about in any one round, J.B. Holmes, who's probably the worst putter in the field, could be the best that day. But Jordan Spieth is never out driving J.B. Holmes. That's just not happening. We know that is a baseline skill that we can hammer down on will it be the most predictive thing in the world? It will be more predictive than the other things. I mean, there's nothing in golf that is overly, overly predictive when it comes down to this on a, and that's why you mentioned like the four rounds, like yeah, any one round someone can get hot. That's why you play the four rounds because everything tends to go back to its baseline. So I think that trying to find out which players have been playing, we've seen like right now I got money down on the outlaw tour. So let's go. Right. Lashley. let's keep this going <laughs> here. Try to cash us a big number, but guys that have remained in competitive mode we've seen play play competitive rounds that's a has taught me so far is that you know we've seen a couple of pga guys pop up against amateurs old people club pros no matter who it is and it like takes them a tournament to get their sea legs back underneath them or at least a few rounds like damon is the only guy who came in like with kind of rusty and played really well but As I've been following him on Instagram, he's been playing a ton. So like these Arizona guys, these Texas guys, like doing that sort of research into who's been playing, who's been picking up the club. Like Rory said, he hadn't picked up a club in like six weeks. So it's going to be tough to really back him and say, you know what? Not only is Rory playing, and he is so much more skilled than everybody else in this tournament, But he can just do it rusty. Just walk off the couch and be the best. That's not how golf works. Golf's about repetition, and golf is about being comfortable and easy on the course. And if it's your first round back, or if you've only been playing for a week. I mean, we've seen Tiger do it, but Tiger's kind of an exception to this rule, and even he's not that good at it anymore. He needs a bit of a warm up to get himself going. So I think that you should, almost like these two other ones, really embrace the variant. The good thing about Colonial is that we might get like 10 of the top 15 players in the world there. So you're going to get, if you can figure it out, some really good players at really good prices the first week back.
0: Now, I didn't let you prepare for this, so this is kind of this is an off-the-cuff feat to the fire. You will be able to change this. I will allow you to change this down the line here, but to the listeners here, um, who are who are three golfers as we head back into the tour this year, getting going, that, that you think are going to win an event this year that maybe isn't top of mind to someone who's kind of a casual golf fan?
2: Sung Jae and Bryson, two. Uh, I know Sung Jae already won at the Honda Classic, but uh, he's been playing every day. The guy doesn't stop. He plays every tournament as it is. He's essentially BJ Singh, except he's Korean and he's 21 years old. This guy is awesome. And Bryson has just been working on everything. I I feel bad for Bryson because the break really – I thought he was going to win the Masters. I still think he's going to win the Masters. But he has been grinding every day. Like his new approach to bulking up, like he got so much longer and better off the tee. It is remarkable. Like he is on par with Rory and Dustin off the tee now. It's just the rest of his game needs to come around. And he was still basically one or two shots away from winning three tournaments already. So if the Irons can catch up, the putting can catch up, the short game can catch up, just how, how big of a leap that he has taken off the tee, Bryson could easily be the number one player in the world by the end of the year.
0: He is Pat Mayo. You can find him on Twitter at the PME, of course, the Pat Mayo Experience over at DraftKings of Fantasy National as well. Thanks for taking the time today, man. Really do appreciate it, and good luck. Hey, you too, man. Thanks. Always good to chat with Pat there, Brett. And as you mentioned, he said he is also embracing the variants as well. He is looking towards the underdogs in this because we are talking one round of golf. There's a reason golf tournaments are four rounds. It's because anybody can go out there and play really well one round. What they're trying to do is even it out and they want the best person overall to win these tournaments. They don't want someone, someone to go out, shoot one hot round and that's the way it goes. But in this format that could work. And so like you mentioned, yeah, it on paper, should they be minus minus one eighty six as they are right now? I mean, Rory and DJ probably so, but we are talking about one round of golf and we're also talking about one hole of golf even right. in a, in some way shape or form because if you take a look at this these skins can roll over and they can hold over and they can hold over and then one hole could be worth four, five, six skins
1: something like that should they continue to tie on holes. This is a cool event too because you you're betting on golf in ways that you you typically aren't able to uh throughout the year. I mean, you can bet on the results of every hole you can bet on the results of just holes seven through 16. So you can look at each of these holes and see if Ricky and, and, uh, and Matthew Wolf are more tailored for a certain hole versus Dustin and Roy Dustin and Roy are going to be favored on just about every hole. I would imagine. So maybe there are, maybe there are some specific holes that are better for a Ricky and Matthew Wolf. So that's, that's the really cool thing about this event. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited, man. Like I, I haven't been able to get into, get into some of these smaller tours that have been running for the past month. This is finally, we're getting the best golfers in the world back on the course, and I'm 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 pumped to watch this.
0: Also worth uh, noting out there, we say this all the time, but just if you do want to bet this, be sure and shop around. If you want to bet the dogs at FanDuel, you're only getting 145, where we were talking about you're getting 150 over at DraftKings, but even over at BetMGM, you're getting 165 on the dogs there at Fowler and Wolf. So as always but it's just a reminder right brad that's what we do here we're at least going to remind you that you can get better odds out there if you are looking to get better odds.
1: we're going to jam it into your heads until you guys finally (laughs) get it because it is is so important to shop around for everything i mean
0: uh, it's a big difference between 165 and Uh, yeah over the long
1: over the long it might not might not seem that seem like it for one event but over the long haul you will notice
0: yeah, I mean, it is it's it's certainly something and you don't want to be, you know, again, especially if you have accounts at these various places, you don't want to pass it up. And if not, it's very easy to sign up for various accounts, especially over on the East Coast, there in Jersey and Pennsylvania and whatnot. And of course, now even in in Colorado where there's multiple places that you can sign up as well. So uh, head to the lines as always and take advantage of the very best offers that we have going on over there. You are going to get free money. You're going to get free boosts and you're going to get free match bets and you're going to get all the different stuff like that. So be sure and take advantage of that. We keep saying it all the time, but uh, you're leaving money on the table if you don't. Want to talk a couple of NFL futures. We talked some last week, and we might as well just keep trickling this stuff in here while we don't have other sports to talk about, Brett. We looked at the week one lines. We looked at some of the NFL MVP futures. I wanted to talk about some of these other futures. And one of the ones that is a sitting out there is week one starting quarterback. And they have this listed for three different teams: the Chicago Bears, the Los Angeles Chargers, and the Miami Dolphins. I think the uh, let's start with the one that I think is kind of the no-brainer here. And if I had a massive, massive bankroll, I would go ahead and just lock up an incredible amount of money. But, I, you know, that's not the way I roll. But if you are deep pocketed, week one starting quarterback for the Miami Dolphins, Ryan Fitzpatrick is only listed at minus 400. Brett, they are not going to trot Tua Tagovailoa out there in week one. At all, in any way, shape, or form, they are going to make sure they've just invested an incredible amount of money into this guy. They are not, they are going to make sure that he is healthy. They are going to make sure that he knows the system. They are going to have make sure that he has practice time with the other players and stuff like that. I would say there is a near zero chance that Tua
1: takes the first snap in week one for the Miami Dolphins. So that's what makes this so interesting because Fitzpatrick is on here. Tua's on here. And Josh Rosen is on here at 20 to 1 odds. If Fitzpatrick is hurt, who starts week one? Is it Josh Rosen or is it Tua? Because if it's not, if you if you're right, and there's no chance they ever play Tua in week one, then Rosen at 20 to 1 is kind of nice, right? Well, yeah, actually, that's actually pretty good logic. Yeah. I mean, if Fitzpatrick were to get hurt at some
0: point during training camp. Actually, yeah, I mean, at 20 to one, if you wanted to throw that down as well. But yeah, I mean, I, there's just Otherwise, no yeah. way they are going to trot Tua out there in week one. I would expect we do not see Tua anytime before week kind of, you know, seven, eight, something like that, where he would have a couple of months with the team for them to make sure and do everything they want to do to make sure they feel good trotting them out there. Cause I mean, listen, we we just got the contract information that came in. You know, they have already they have already invested an incredible amount of money and guaranteed an incredible amount of money to Tua and it just doesn't make any sense, especially when you consider I mean they're not going to win this year as it is anyway. So why go out there and take even I don't care if it's a I don't care if it's a ten percent chance that he gets hurt. Why take the ten percent chance, right? Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, So the other one here, Los Angeles Chargers, Tyrod Taylor. And then, of course, they drafted Justin Herbert. They also have Cam Newton listed and they have Easton Stick. But I mean, let's be for real. That's (laughs) not going to happen. No. So Tyrod Taylor minus 335, Justin Herbert plus 300. And then Cam Newton, a very long shot out there at 25 to one. When you take a look at this, Brett, I think this is also Another situation, one of the things we kept hearing from Her- about Herbert leading into the draft was, yeah, the upside and the potential is so incredibly massive, but everybody, I mean, this was even the people who were highest on Herbert were saying that he could benefit from sitting for a year or two before they actually cut him loose. Now, we know that's not the way this is going to work in the NFL anymore. He's not going to sit for a whole 2 years or even even a year, but we have seen these guys get protected and sit for several weeks. I also think that Tyrod Taylor is. I'm not going to say it's as near a slam dunk as Ryan Fitzpatrick because Herbert's not coming off of a serious injury or whatever, but it's 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 pretty close to
1: a slam dunk, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I think the only thing you have to worry about is another quarterback coming in. Still got Cam out there, and that's why Cam is on this list. That's a possibility, uh, but I I can't imagine Herbert starting Week One in any way. It's the same. It's the same situation as Tua. Like these guys aren't going to have a lot of time with their teammates leading up to the season. So I can't, I can't see any of these quarterbacks outside of Joe Burrow starting in week one.
0: And then we take a look here for the Chicago bears. And this is a different situation because we're not talking about a rookie here. We are talking about them bringing in another guy. And the incumbent is actually the dog here, Brett uh, Trubisky plus 200 Nick Foles minus three Oh five. I think there's a little intrigue for me on Trubisky at the plus 200.
1: I guess I have no idea what's going to happen with these two. So I guess I, I, from that side of it, yeah, Trubisky's probably the better play at plus 200, but he's so bad though. The kid is he's so terrible. bad. at football. I guess my
0: question is this, and, and, and maybe they've already made that decision since they brought in foals in the first place. But like, if you don't, if you don't start Trubisky and then go to Foles, like, if you start Foles from the get go, and and you at that point you've lost Trubisky, wouldn't you think? Like, I mean, like hit mentally, like he you have lost him at that point. Like, so if you had to feel like you needed to go back to him because Foles was so bad, Whew. I just don't see a way that you do that. Like, you can't really go backwards at that point. So I don't know. I mean, I don't know if that plays into the decision making process at all. Where it's like, okay, let's start Mitch for two games. If he sucks, then we just go to Foles for the rest of the season. I I, I don't know.
1: I don't think they brought in Nick Foles to sit him. So I think it's right that he's the favorite, but it, I would probably cap it a little closer to even. I, I, I could still see a path to Trubisky starting week one. Then
0: we head over to comeback player of the year. Another interesting award here that has some players that, you know, I think are going to draw betting attention from a name value, but I don't know necessarily if that's going to be what we're looking at from, you know, end of the season and how that's going to break down. Now, Gronk is the betting favorite at plus 300. We know Gronk was retired in 2019. Big Ben comes in at 400, plus 400. He played less than one game in 2019. Alex Smith didn't play at all in 2019. But Brett, I mean, he's listed at seven to one here. But what's his path? to, to winning this. I mean, he's not even, he, he's not even in playing shape right now. So I, I don't, I don't understand why his odds are so short. Like I, I would have thought he would have been way down in that like 25, 30, 40 to one type range.
1: He's got the narrative. Uh, I'll give him that if he plays, if he somehow plays like 12 games, he's going to be in the discussion. I, I just, just him getting back to football is going to be worth a story.
0: Matt Stafford played in eight games last year. He is also seven to one. Brett, I think that, I mean, I think you and I talked about this because we also follow fantasy as well. And we talk a little DFS during the year as well, whenever we're uh, yapping about things here on the podcast. But I mean, Stafford was actually having a pretty damn good year. He was 19 touchdowns to five interceptions. Whenever he went down, he had thrown for 290 or more yards in 5 of the 8 games including a 400-yard game and multiple 340-yard plus games as well in there and then you know of course he goes down and that team goes to goes to crap and we don't really think about Stafford anymore but in the 8 games he played he was he was playing pretty well
1: yeah cuz he's really good and that's why i like the lions a lot this year and looking at this list of players for comeback player of the year this is an easy one because I'm getting as much exposure to the lions as I can. And the lions aren't going anywhere unless Matt Stafford is under center. So Stafford is the one that really stands out to me at plus 700, not saying I love the price. I think all of these are pretty inflated, but I certainly think he should be the favorite even over a Ben or a Rob Gronkowski.
0: Yeah. So I'm with you here. So it's not like we're running and jumping to try and bet these things as soon as humanly possible or anything. That being said, I mean, when you take a look here, there is a, like you, like you said, I mean, there is a very easy path to Matt Stafford uh, winning this award. Now that being said over at FanDuel, he is nine to one. So be sure. And you know, if you want Stafford yeah, head over there at plus 900, for him on this one, JJ Watt over at DraftKings is the next shortest odds coming in at another seven to one. You know, Brett, look, JJ Watt he played eight games last year. He had four sacks, 21 QB hits, and three pass deflections. I think when he got back in there, he, I think we've gotten to a point in JJ Watt's career where he causes more trouble for what he brings to the table, but I think counting stats. Might never be what they were a little bit earlier in his career because we saw even when he came back, we didn't know if he was even going to be any good anymore. And they were still double teaming him and triple teaming him and chipping him and all kinds of stuff. Like, I don't know if the counting
1: stats are ever going to be good enough for, for J.J. Watt anymore. Probably not. He's got the name value, though. And- i I don't think he should be in consideration here. He was a monster in the playoffs. So I, the, the last memory I have of J.J. Watt was him just annihilating the Bills uh, left side of that line. So it's to me, why right. is this guy even in consideration for comeback player of the year?
0: Derwin James at 12-1 to 1 is next on the list. He played in five games last year, just came back right there at the end of the season. Then A.J. Green, who did not play at all in 2019, is 14-1 to 1, Antonio Brown. is 20 to one now Brett when I look at this if I wanted one of these longer guys you have AJ Green you have a guy that did not play at all you have a team that we have talked about already we think Joe Burrow might be a sneaky upside fantasy player because it's still going to be a bad team and they're going to be playing from behind and throwing a ton outside of Stafford as far as statistics go I think AJ Green has the chance to like kind of put up these wow numbers that could get someone to to maybe give him some votes or something like that. I mean, Stafford could go out there and throw for four thousand yards. I mean, we know that, but um, we're also looking at we're also looking at AJ Green, who with Burrow at quarterback, and there's at least some other people in that wide receiving core to take a little bit of the attention off of him. Uh, we could we could see AJ Green put up some pretty big numbers. I think.
1: The problem is I don't know what kind of playing shape AJ Green is going to be in. hasn't Rob Gronkowski played in the NFL more recently than AJ Green. That's a problem for me. <laughs> like, I don't know yeah. what AJ Green is anymore. So he he, he would have to be close to like I think 40 to 1 for me to even entertain it. I can't see it at 14 to 1.
0: Are there any of these other players that made the list further down? Why is Tua? Why is,
1: why is Tua on here? Oh, why? Why is
0: That, that would never happen, right? it would zero like zero percent chance that would ever happen like zero percent chance so yeah I mean are any of these guys that are longer odds to any of them float your boat I mean I was with you and you kind of stole my thunder there on Stafford I was I was the same way I looked at that number on Stafford and it actually surprised me when I dug in and started looking at some stats from last year on him to see exactly just how good he was and um, you know, look, it, it is nine to 9-1 over, uh, over on FanDuel. I'm not one to typically lock my money up or something, but if I were, 9-1 to one on Stafford seems to be the way I'd probably
1: go. If he's healthy, he is awesome. And he has, I mean, one of the big problems Stafford has had over the years is he didn't have any weapons. He has all the weapons he could possibly need now. So no excuses. I, I, I honestly think this team could win. I think this team is going to win that division this year. I think they're going to sneak up on a lot of people, and Stafford is going to be the guy to do it.
0: There you go, guys. And again, those bets are available. They are up and ready for you over at DraftKings and FanDuel right now if you want to take a look at those. Today marks the two-year anniversary of the repeal of PASPA that gave us and paved the way for not only this podcast and the lines website and everything like that, but pretty much all the stuff that we've been doing over the last two years. New Jersey came along first, and we know the massive amount of states that have come along Since then, you know, Brett, in the two years, and I talked about this a little bit on our sister podcast over on on Legal Sports Report on LSR, but I think the thing that has shocked me the most over the course of the two years, and maybe it was just because I'm jaded and you and I came up through the poker stuff and then came up through the DFS stuff and everything like that, but I think the lack of very staunch opposition to sports betting is the thing that shocks me the most. I mean, we went, you know, there was this time where we thought online poker was just going to get legalized all across the country. Didn't happen. We had religious groups and moral groups and anti-gambling groups and all this stuff come out of the woodwork and say how terrible and how horrible it would be on our society. And even DFS had tons of people come out and, you know, were morally against it and were trying to find reasons to say that it could be bad. And they were talking about, could athletes throw performances and stuff? And we obviously know that's not how DFS works. Uh, You you only get points for doing good things. You don't get points for doing bad things. So throwing anything doesn't really affect DFS like whatsoever. But we were hearing all those arguments and all that. And here we are two years later for sports betting, and you really haven't heard a ton of that. I mean, we heard it like at the beginning, and we kind of laughed off some of the stuff. And, of course, there's there's propaganda out there from from some of the – The people who are who are against it, but really it's been it's been kind of welcomed with open arms.
1: It's very true. Even even the leagues who fought this for years and years have gotten to a point where they just shrug their shoulders and accept that, all right, well, this is gonna happen. Like there's no there's no use fighting it anymore. So yeah, you're right. That has been extremely surprising looking at how difficult it has been for online poker but money talks man i mean sports betting is where it's at we've seen the numbers versus like even just dfs it just in the short period of time we've had sports betting they dwarf the dfs numbers so that has a lot to do with it what's uh what's your
0: kind of biggest takeaway over the first two years of sports betting
1: i mean there's been a lot of good and a lot of bad i mean starting with the bad what comes to mind is The way some states are setting up framework and guidelines, particularly with the retail versus mobile uh, in some states, either stalling with getting mobile live or just just deciding that they're better off with retail only like a Mississippi. And yeah, we can point to right now, like this is obviously a time, a situation that nobody forecasted with everyone being quarantined, but People in New York and Mississippi and some other states can't bet on sports right now unless they want to do it with an offshore illegal sports book. And I can tell you confidently that that is happening a lot. Even though there aren't any sports to bet on right now, the offshores are still taking a lot of bets. The goal of these states should be to weed out these illegal operators. But the restrictions we've seen with several of these cases have allowed offshores to continue thriving, so I mean that to me has been the the big definitely the bad to the bad side of it has is that you know these these offshore books are still are still around and probably will be around for a while because of the way and, the and I think an
0: offshoot of that is just education right like yeah. I, like I, I like it's just we're uh, we look at this because we've been around it a lot, and not only that we live it and breathe it on a daily basis, and I think that You know, maybe we should do a better job of it and maybe I'll try to take a better responsibility of it and you can and everything like that. But in focusing just on the education of all of this, maybe even more than we already do, because you still hear people who don't understand and don't don't know that. You know, a, a website with a .lv is not Las Vegas and, and and whatever and all this and like you hear all the time. It's like the Vegas odds for this and the the Vegas odds for that. And it's like no, it's not at all. That's not the way this works. And and you you even hear it from lawmakers and stuff from time to time about well, they're, they allow betting on X, Y, and Z. And it's like no, no regulated bet book has ever allowed betting on X, Y, Z. That's never happened before. But you know, they get press releases too all the time. And so. Yeah, I think the educational aspect is still probably lacking just a little bit, even after two years.
1: Yeah, we saw after Colorado launched a couple of weeks ago, the search volume for this is according to an article by Brad Allen over legal sports report today, which is fantastic. But um, uh, the search volume for Bovada was way higher than BetMGM and BetRivers when people wanted to like launch a sports sports book account in Colorado. They were looking for Bovada. That's a problem. And that needs to change; uh, otherwise, these these offshores aren't going to go anywhere. So, uh, that unfortunately has been one of the major takeaways uh, so far through the first two years.
0: I think for me, the only other one that really really stands out is uh, the dominance of DraftKings and FanDuel in the market. And now we are still very very early. This is the infancy of this industry. So, do not get me wrong. The who is going to quote unquote win has not been decided yet. That has not happened at all, but to see DraftKings and FanDuel dominate the way that they have um, is a little shocking to me because I did think that brand recognition would play a little bit bigger factor, like the brick and mortar brand recognition, the MGM and Caesars and, you know, Rivers and all these, like these places that people have gone and they've gambled at and they've eaten they've eaten at the restaurants and they've stayed at the hotels and all of that. Well, that proved real quick to me, Brett, that, that actually people didn't care all that much about that. And, you know, um, that was kind of shocking to me. I did think just the cachet of some of these guys that have been around for decades would, uh, would help them propel up the charts just a little bit. And that just really hasn't been the case so far.
1: No, it hasn't. Um, uh, yeah. The, The upstarts, the DraftKings, the FanDuel have been so much better at marketing and getting their name out there. It's it's so interesting to look back at the the advertising bombardment for for DraftKings and FanDuel DFS back in what was it 2015 when all you saw on television was DraftKings and FanDuel. That I think that helped them immensely. Yeah, to where they are right now. I don't think they, they. Nobody really saw this coming this quickly, but here we are, and that, I mean, that really put them ahead. Of the game, both of them, I mean, I, I think I mean, both of the products are fantastic, but even if they weren't, I think you would still see Draftkings and fanel on top because they got their name out there so much, uh, and that was for DFS, when Draftkings and FanDuel were saying they weren't gambling companies.
0: Yeah, and in, you know, look, we've seen this even and the, the future of sports betting, I think here also is is still pretty bright. I mean, we have seen, despite the fact that throughout this pandemic, record number of people unemployed, record number of people needing money and stuff. But in the stock market, Brad, a lot of, you know, the rich people are still trading stocks. The, the people who have, you know, the, the tens and twenties of millions of dollars are still trading stocks and stuff. And we've seen these gaming stocks. They have not fallen off, the, off, off of a cliff, despite the fact that the casinos have been closed and sports betting by and large has been shut down uh, throughout this pandemic and whatnot actually quite the opposite we've seen them actually gain because i think these guys are playing the long term here i think these you know guys that are worth the hundreds of millions of dollars are playing the long game here and they realize that when the casinos open back up and when the sports betting is legal again that these that these casinos and these companies and especially from a sports betting angle are going to thrive and um you know for me i think that's at least uh, you know fairly exciting i don't know I think everybody is assuming we're going to have a football season. If we don't have a football season, how that would affect a lot of things, I think, is uh, yet to be determined. We're probably going to get some consolidation. We probably even might have some, you know, go out of business. But, you know, if we are having a football season in the fall, I think a lot of people are are kind of betting the long term here on on gaming.
1: Yeah, even if we don't have football in the fall, I think. Long term is is the way to think about this because we've only really scratched the surface here. I mean, we've got 18 states with legal sports betting and less than a dozen with mobile. I well, maybe around a dozen, but that's that's the future. And you know, hopefully, we start to see some of these states learn from and what's none been going of the big dogs you just mentioned. None, or, none right, of the big dogs like New
0: York, Florida, Texas, and California. None of those.
1: Yeah, that's that's a whole other thing with, with the tribes, but. uh Oh, yeah. As soon as we get the, the, those big three on board, I mean, we're really, we're really going to start to see what, what mobile can do um, and how big this industry can get in the U.S. So that's that's something we can look forward to hopefully here in the next couple of years. I think those big three are going to be behind. We're going to see some others like Michigan and Tennessee uh, get here first. But um, hopefully that's one thing we see in the next, the next two years is, is some of the bigger states get on board.
0: Guys, uh, we really do appreciate you listening to us and making us uh, over 100 episodes here at the Lines US at play Picks US over on Twitter, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher and Google for those subscriptions. And if you want to rate and review us, we do appreciate that as well. Hopefully you were able to enjoy the UFC. Um, hopefully you'll be able to continue to enjoy the UFC this weekend and play and have some live golf as well. Of course, the breakdowns of all that stuff over at thelines.com and playpicks.com and head to our youtube channel as well for some video breakdowns uh, full interview with pat mayo on the youtube channel as well for brett i'm matt talk to you guys next week